Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. to hear, that's what I like to hear, for this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Oh, yesterday was, let's talk about a Tuesday Church Folk Day, and we talk about the Brooklyn Bridge being overloaded with all of the vendors on the bridge. Yeah, we can't even walk on the bridge anymore, they say, thanks to all of the merchants, legal as well as illegal, that are out there now. And New York City is about to put a ban on any merchant being out there because it's just unsafe. Oh, 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 what are they going to do? What are the veterans going to do? They always seem to be suffering, right? Oh, my goodness. What are they going to do? They're the ones who actually have the legal permit to uh, be out there. But, you know, unfortunately, you really can't have a situation that is uh, unsafe to all of the pedestrians who actually walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, the migrant situation is creeping up on us in a much different way as uh, we have one particular migrant who's been arrested six times for 14 crimes in the last two months here in New York City, Mr. Daniel Hernandez Martinez, 29, arrived on June 27 and allegedly committed his first crime the very next day. Yes, and has been wreaking havoc ever since. Well, now it looks like after they continually, continually let him go on his own recognizance, that he is finally, finally uh, behind bars at Rikers Island. And initially, the prosecutors 
ask for a $10,000 bail, but for some reason the judge gave him $5,000 after just oh, behaving so recklessly here in New York City. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that means, you know, when we are actually, you know, committing crimes over and over and over again, that we just continue to be let loose. Well, the talk, the real talk uh, that took place yesterday was Air Canada has two passengers who were kicked off the flight because they refused to sit in seats that were covered in puke. Yeah, this was really a really weird, weird situation. As they boarded the plane, the last two seats were being filled. And uh, there was an odor coming from the area and come to find out that they had not quite cleaned the seats that these two passengers were actually expected to sit in for five hours. Ooh, yes. And um, fortunately, you know, even the pilot was involved. Yes, the, the initial flight attendants did explain to them that unfortunately they could not finish cleaning the seats. And those were two of the last seats. It was a full flight. And they were not able to switch seats or really do anything about it. So they actually gave them coffee grinds <laughs> and perfume to try to mask the smell. Now, the pilot gets involved because he now joins the melee as he very calmly tells the two women, either you get off the plane and you find your own way or you are going off by the guards and you will be put on the no-fly list. Now, uh, this is some dilemma to be behind, correct? Yeah, because, you know, when we spoke to our panel yesterday, they said, well, hey, you know, I might be stuck because I don't have any other way home. I may not have any other way home. I may have to take this flight. But when I get home, this is the damage I have intent to do. Yeah. And Shantice brought up a very, very, very good question yesterday. So I'm going to send you back to go and listen to how the conversation ensued. And ended so quickly because how did she bring this up at the very last minute? Yeah. So, hey. We're going to have to continue this conversation next week, God says. Yeah, but ooh, the conversation was getting hot yesterday. So that's how we spend our Tuesday. Well, today, today, today is Wow Wednesday, and you know how we do here on Wednesday morning. I want to see how it passes up the ladies, right? Yes, the ladies have their faith today. And um, we're willing to go. 
and giving God thanks that he has ushered us into the middle of the week. So uh, I'm going to go and give you an opportunity to get your healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's the time where Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Witnessing an overdose is scary. So scary you might want to run away and not tell anyone. Don't. In New Jersey, most people who call the police or an ambulance to report an overdose won't be arrested. It's the law. So save a life. Don't think twice. Call 911. This message is brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Human Services. morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. Now, you just heard our PSA. I don't know if you remember, but there was a time where all you kept hearing about was, you know, these people who had overdosed. And they had been left to die. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, everybody was kind of getting high together. And then if someone ended up overdosing, they were abandoning them because they were afraid that if someone came and, you know, found out that, you know, the person had overdosed, that they were going to arrest everybody. And maybe they had. Maybe, you know, there were some occurrences where they had actually arrested those who were there. But, you know, when you think about it, do you really abandon an individual who actually could die? because you're afraid of answering questions or you're afraid of being arrested. You know, I don't know. This particular PSA is called the Good Samaritan Overdose Prevention uh, ad. And I would hate to think that, you know, somebody would be dying beside me. And I got up and I ran because the bigger concern was would I be arrested or, you know, something else. I would be thinking about me. And I guess, you know, I'm not, I ain't never been under the influence of of drugs. So I guess maybe I don't know what panicking 
actually is, you know, at that moment. And, you know, some might argue that you're not in your right frame of mind. So how do you know what you would do? So like I said, I I didn't say that I wouldn't. What I'm saying is I'd hate to think that that would be my concern. I would hate to really think that that would be my concern, that, I, you know, we getting high together, so, you know, if it's a friend, you know, we ain't got nothing else. But, uh, you know, if it's somebody, you know, your friend leave with, I suppose, and you would get up and leave. Now, maybe those are, you know, the people who, you know, they just, they get our partner, you know, somebody who just, yeah, everybody got their stuff and, you know, we're going to get high together and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I don't know. I do not know what's going on. But, you know, let's let's pray. You know, we have our Pray For Them session on Thursdays. And, you know, let's pray for them even when we're not on this air because there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay, that we wouldn't think of because we're not necessarily in that particular situation. So, oh boy. Well, like I said, it's Wow Wednesday, and I'm sure you're waiting for our girlfriend Vivian to uh, come on board and uh, let us know. What she's got going on today in her socially conscious segment. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor? I'm well. Thank you, Vivian. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. That's good. That's good. What you got for us today? Alrighty, today on Socially Conscious, as most of New York City public schools begin their first day of week, uh, their first day this week, we are already met with challenges. We already know about the bus shortages, teacher shortages, and now we are facing a possible bus driver strike for what limited bus drivers we do have available right now. And this possible strike could be happening as early as next week. The union for the bus drivers stated drivers need a new contract and higher wages. The union reps were quoted singing, we will remain at the table to fight for what our members deserve, a fair contract. For now, routes will be serviced and negotiations are ongoing, but time is running out, end quote. They're saying that if the strike happens, it could be an inconvenience for over 150,000 students and families. The New York City Department of Education previously stated they do have a plan put in place to issue metro cards and car service reimbursements for eligible students. There are even talks of using a SESA ride for some eligible students to be able to get to and from school. And MTA has taken this time to offer up their services saying, quote, 
public transportation service has been 100% restored to its previous levels, but ridership is at 80%, leaving enough space for additional students. We've got room on both the buses and the trains. This is what the MTA chairman and CEO said, stating that the MTA is running the best it has ran in the past 10 years. So again, another challenge for the New York City public schools or for New York City schools in general at this point that they are facing. Now they may be also facing a bus strike. So we're going to keep that listed in prayer. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Everybody wants more money. So hopefully they just, you know, do what they have to do and give them what they are asking for. Hopefully it's reasonable and the strike is not something that the children and the families will have to deal with. Because we all know the MTA is not safe. It doesn't matter what time of day, it is not safe. And we should not be, you know, taking that recourse. So hopefully we won't have to. The DOE is also in hot water as reports are finding that special needs children have been neglected despite funds being made available for them. Reports say that despite the city spending $372 million on special education programs, the DOE did not provide or support uh, the support services for nearly 14,000 special needs students. Lawsuit claims filed by families seeking essential um, services for their children with disabilities increased from $33 million to $300 plus million between the years of 2012 and 2022. So as time is going on, these lawsuits are increasing more and more. They're saying that the DOE failed to give the students recommended services like speech therapy, occupational therapy, and classroom support. These recommended services were primarily, of course, um, neglected in black, Hispanic, and low-income school districts. That's where it was less likely to be provided by the DOE. Additionally, nearly 10,000 preschool students with disabilities missed out on their required services for nearly an entire year. Uh, New York City has estimated 283,000 students with disabilities just in New York City alone, and it is said that in some cases fraud was found, and of course, they are blaming this on staff shortages, but in my opinion, that is not a good enough excuse when you accepted the money but did not deliver on the services. So there's just a lot going on with the DOE out in New York City right now, just a lot of mess going on. Our next story is regarding migrants yet again, and we know, as always, once one story comes out, a bunch of other stories are sure to follow. One migrant woman has been arrested after she slapped an NYPD officer who was attempting to confiscate her unregistered motorbike in front of a Manhattan shelter for asylum seekers earlier this week. 
The arrest came as several people were caught on camera tussling with the cops as they tried to conduct a scooter crackdown. Um, so the, the, the people of this neighborhood have been complaining that between the hours of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m., it just gets chaotic. The people are outside listening to loud music. They are racing scooters and motorbikes and motorcycles around, just making a lot of noise. So that's why they began this scooter crackdown. Um, and during this time, 20-year-old Babea Rodriguez was charged with resisting arrest, obstruction of governmental administration, and harassment. But she had also been arrested back in July for felony assault in connection with an attack on her boyfriend in a Bronx apartment. So, like I said, as soon as one story comes out about migrants, now they're going to start seeking more of these stories. So we're going to hear a lot about these migrants and their troubles with the law. People just do not want these migrants here. So just look forward to these stories coming out more and more. Speaking of migrants, we have a story that is celebrating migrants who have officially started working. We just got through talking about this last week, I believe, and here we have this story that is going out that it is official. So one man is telling his story of how he came from Venezuela. He basically connected himself with the right people, um, and they connected him with nonprofit organizations. He received free legal counsel that helped him to get his paperwork going. And said he said it took him about three months to even get the paperwork correct, and again eight months for everything to be official. Mr. Esperanza will work 12 hours a day just to make 150 to $200 a day. Uh, he also volunteers at local churches when he can. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, again, we just got through talking about this, and here we are with this article celebrating that the migrants are officially working they have their working papers, even if it be temporary, which means they have their social security numbers and they will be paying taxes. Um, if you do the math, if you're working 12-hour days and you're making about $150, he's making lower than minimum wage. He's making about $12.50-ish per hour out here in New York. So it's an interesting um interesting celebration to be having. According to the latest federal numbers, there are around 450,000 jobs open in New York City. There are more than 8.5 million jobs nationwide. Some are saying that this is a good thing because they can now help support themselves and lean less on the government. Others share the same sentiments as the Dutan crew, saying it's unfair to allow them to essentially skip the line. All in all, it's no longer going to happen. It has officially happened that migrants are legally, they are legally working in the state. And now for our wow story of the week. 
a third-grade teacher was arrested for allegedly being drunk on the job during the first day of school after she was pulled out of the classroom for her, quote, off behavior. So Kimberly Coates, 53, was found to be three times over the legal limit while teaching students last Thursday at the Perkins Tryon Intermediate School in Perkins, Oklahoma. A body camera video of the incident shows the officer and school administrators asking the teacher what was in the blue cup she had been drinking that morning. She said it was juice, but the officer said he smelled wine. Colts tried to excuse her odd behavior by blaming the, the anxiety medication she had taken, but a breathalyzer test showed her blood alcohol level was at 0.24, which is three times the legal driving limit of 0.08. Colts was arrested and removed from the school, and on her way out, in handcuffs, she asked about her job, to which she was told she was indeed going to be fired unless she wanted to resign. She was booked at the Payne County Detention Center for public intoxication. And again, this was the first day of school. The first day. It's not like she was working and maybe the kids was just running her ragged and, you know, she got a drink or something, but this was the first day. She came to school on the first day, not only drunk, but drinking while teaching the students. So this is what our kids have to look forward to this school year. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM, and come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Boy, you just got a fill of uh, (laughs) me just messing with the school. Uh, I have a Mm -hmm. question this. the 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 hourly wage when you broke the hourly rate wage down, how much did you say that was for the migrant who was working? What is it, one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars a day? Yeah, so twelve hour days. Okay. So he's making about twelve dollars. Yeah, okay. making about twelve dollars and fifty cents. Okay, twelve fifty. All right, good. And that's a female. What'd you say? That's if he's making the lower portion, which is the 150. If oh, he's okay. making 200, that's even less. Okay, okay. All right, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, please hang around in case we uh, have some questions for you. Thank you so much. No problem. Uh, we pray you have You're a welcome. blessed day. All right. Thank you. You as well. All right. All right. Ooh, we got some stuff to talk about 
this morning. So unfortunately, we are missing our elder night Tisha this morning. So we are we have our other due time ladies. Let's say good morning to our lady Tamika. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning and happy Wow Wednesday to you. How are you today? I am well, thank you. You sound pretty congested over there. Yeah, having a little issue, but God is good. I'm still living. I'm still moving. I'm still breathing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Glad to have you on. Thank you for pressing your way. Well, we're off to an interesting start for our new year for school. You know, it amazes me how we're running into all these issues when everybody knows that school is going to be in session every year. So our first story Vivian gives us, Lady Tamika, is this potential bus driver strike. Now, I don't know what it seems to be with the bus drivers now, but I don't know. It, it's uh, it's a it's a serious situation here when you're saying that a hundred and fifty thousand, you know, families or children will be affected. Uh, Metro cards will be issued here in New York City. Now, before we get started. I want all of you to understand something about New York City school buses. It is not like out in the suburban areas. If you are riding a school bus in New York City, they only provide school bus service for elementary school students. Is everybody hearing me? Now, those particular students are chosen, and some of them are special needs. Most of them are special needs children. And once you are special needs, even if you're in special ed, once you hit junior high school, unless you are severely, there's a severe problem, you do not get busted. Um, service. So why am I saying that before we even get started? Because see, this pads the the situation here. Now, MTA has offered Metro cards and even Accessoride. Now, here's why Accessoride is being offered. Because again, like I said, if you're on a school bus, you're between kindergarten and fifth grade, because sixth grade is no longer in elementary school. And again, it's for special needs children. You're not like a regular ed child going on a school bus, because if you are regular ed, you are mandated to go to your zone school, which means your school is within walking distance. So MTA offering Metro cards is a big question because who are you offering these metro cards to? The babies cannot ride the trains or the buses alone. 
So now there's a bigger problem here before you start, Lady Tamika, because that means the parents, you're really offering the, the, the cards to the parents because you're not going to make a child pay on the bus or the train. So now you've got, see, this is one way of them padding, oh, we, you know, oh, it's running, the best is ran in 10 years, and yeah, because ain't nobody else riding. So I just wanted to put that out there for all of you that, you know, this is not where high school students, like out in the other areas, are actually going to be riding the bus and they're offering, or even junior high school students, because let me help you all understand something before we get this conversation started. Also, if you are in junior high school, they already offer you a Metro card for free. So, Lady Tamika, fire away. This is really concerning for the state of New York. You know, I, I remember myself being a recipient of a Metro card, but at the time when I was a recipient of a Metro card, I was in high school, you know, and, you know, you've got parents that need to be at work on time, you know, and I'm not saying that it's their fault because, you know, they're trying to take care of the household. They're trying to, you know, do a livelihood. Um we all know those, especially those that ride the trains, you know, uh, on a daily basis, that um, transit is horrible and definitely worse for a child, you know. You know, all of the things that they can come in contact with, see, uh, be exposed to. You know, this is really concerning um, that we don't have enough bus drivers, especially for those that are mentally challenged. You know, they have an even greater you know, feet to accomplish going from home to school, you know, and I I know myself as a helicopter parent. I, I label myself a helicopter parent. I would be completely petrified, you know, in concerning or thinking about my child riding the subway. You know, we have got to do better and find a way to ensure, you know, I don't know how or what we can do, but it's very, you know, important that we make sure that our future is covered, especially those that um, have a mental uh, challenge. Yes, my dear, because if you're on a school bus, you're in some level of special ed, whether it's inclusion, which is, you know, half the class or part of the class is special ed and the other part of the class is regular ed, or if you're in full Special ed. So yeah, this is this is very, very concerning. Let's uh, see what our girl Shantice has got to say. Good morning, Shanti. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, ladies? Good, good, well, very well, thank you. Oh, uh, wow. What you got to say about this bus potential? bus driver strike, you know, they're saying that, you know, the, the bus drivers need a new contract. We don't know what's in the contract and that has expired or is outdated and they need to do better. And they need more pay. And if not, 150000 
will be affected. What do you think? My first thought was they didn't know this from last school year. Was there any noise being made? I'm pretty sure there was some noise being made. Like, I doubt anyone woke up during the summertime like, you know what, I need more peace. This had to have been something mentioned somehow before last school year ended. And whatever happened, whether it was it was ignored, no one took them serious or whatever. So now here you got school starting, you had kids who need to get to school, who now possibly now you're leaving the parents with the concern as to how their kids are getting to and from school. A train, personally for me, would just be out of the question. I know it doesn't sound realistic, but unfortunately with all that we're hearing that's going on, how dangerous it is for adults. And that's something that I always thought about when I, you know, pre-pandemic, when I would ride the trains a lot and I would see, um, you know, students on the train, I was always like, they not there? Because you could tell they weren't in high school yet. And I used to always ask myself, like, they, their parents let them ride the train? It must be nice. Mm, okay. You know, it was very rarely did you see, you know, one child by themselves. You would see at least three or more together, which made sense. But it was even then, and there's always been stuff going on. It's just heightened since the pandemic. Um, but it is way too much going on. So now you've given the parents extra, extra concern as to how their kids, you know, there's so many other things that the parents have to be concerned with now, especially if their children are in special education. There's already things that their parents are concerned about, you know, have to pay attention to, have to, you know, make sure things are going good, so on and so forth. And now they have the extra headache of their children going back and forth to school because no one made sure that this is taken care of at the end of the 2023 school year. So it's, it's just because of someone's negligence now, this is a concern during the time. No one can afford for this to be a concern. You know, I always feel it's strategic. You know, they, this is always intentional. Whenever you have this issue of people potentially striking right before the the hour, you know, I always think it's, it's intentional. I, I don't know how you ladies think on that, but I, I can't understand, and it's the same question I, I was thinking when Vivian was talking. I'm saying to myself now, not only did you know this 22 23 school year. But when was this, con- how long has this contract been in effect? And why would it even have to be discussed at the beginning of a school year? You know, y'all knew mm-hmm. the deadline of this contract for however long. I'm sure this is not an annual thing. You don't write a contract for the bus drivers per year. So when y'all saw this was coming down, to the last two years or something like that. You don't start addressing the issues. And so my thought is yes. My thought is yes, I'm sure. 
you know, if, if a union is, is doing their job, they're going to make sure, you know, that they are, you know, doing their, what they're supposed to be doing. So now all mm-hmm. of a sudden, y'all let the bus driver situation. And, it's again, Vivian's been talking about this bus driver situation for months. So this is not the only area in New York City, in other words, that's being affected by the bus driver situation. So it's, what is this, a, a, a nationwide bus driver issue? Y'all don't care how the kids are going to get back and forth. Now, I want to raise another issue. As an accessoride uh, uh, rider, can I tell you, they don't need to put one more individual in the rotation. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, because when they do that, man... First of all, I have to tell y'all that, and, and I'll let you comment on this as well. So, at, okay, so prior to pandemic, we had the, what they call a share ride, you know, so whoever, you know, you could be picked up and then somebody because they're going in the same direction or vice versa. You could get in and someone else is already, is already in the car or in the bus or whatever. Well, once the pandemic came, we all got spoiled because they were not allowed to be share rides because of the infection rate. But once that went away and those numbers went down, we immediately went into share ride mode again. Well, you pretty, it, it didn't get bad. It didn't get bad. It didn't get outlandish. Well, as of two weeks ago, Normally, what they would do is, if you had, like, a couple of people with you, they would never put more than three of us in a vehicle. In other words, one person would ride in the front and two people would ride in the back. Well, as of two weeks ago, that changed because there were three people in the back and one person in the front, and I was outraged. You wait until the numbers start climbing, and now you packing us in this car like sardines. So I said to the, to the driver, I said, you don't have a concern for this because this is not going to work for me. This is not. And we were really caught off guard. Really, the situation that I was in, really caught off guard. So, ladies, we're talking about if you, if you would potentially have to add in. Remember now, they can't take just the child. It would have to be the child and the parent. So now you're putting two extra people in a car, along with people who are already riding the accessorized vehicles. What are you going to do with that? Oh, Lady Tamika, I'll give you an opportunity to talk about that leg of the situation. That's even all the more scary, you know. Um, the other thing that we think about um, when we're talking about New York, every grown adult doesn't have a vehicle. You know, I know adults that take the train everywhere they go, you know, and so you're adding a child, you know, trying to get to school, you know, and the provision of the bus that makes it, you know, it's, it's different from other states, you know, other states, you know, you have a parent, at least one parent, you know, a lot of times you'll have multiple vehicles, but a lot of times in New York, because of the commute and because it's easier, 
you know, there's nowhere to park your car. So with, with that type of thing, you know, it makes it conducive for you not to have to go and take your child to school, you know, and now you're allowing accessoride. And I've ridden a couple of accessorides, and I'm going to be honest, the drivers on accessoride are crazy. Oh, they will literally oh. ride on a street in, on two wheels, you know, and I have never, honestly, and I've been on more than one accessoride, I have never ridden an accessoride that I felt comfortable. I mean, even in the back seat, mm-hmm. I am literally buckled buckling up and I'm praying, God, please let us get there without an accident because they're trying to get to your destination in time. And if you're talking about two or three different people with different destinations, they may have to stop two or three times. You're supposed to get there at 8 o'clock. Well, you may not necessarily get there at 8 o'clock or they'll get you there, but you're panicking the whole entire time, you know, because they're trying to get you to your destination. So you're talking about a child having to deal with this you know, to and from. That makes it all the more difficult. You know, the streets are more compacted. Um, just even being a commuter, you will find that during the school year, it's, it's always been compacted. You know, you, now you're alleviating buses, but now you're adding accessoride and any other type of thing, you know. Um, there are other vehicles that you could probably utilize to get your child there, but then you want your child to get to and from safety. And so my heart goes out to these parents that are doing their very best to ensure that, you know, little Johnny or little Sally gets to school safely, you know. And so my heart goes out, you know, and I pray for, you know, the best advice, you know. And and when I think about it, me as a person who doesn't have children, I even knew about, you know, the bus shortage. I also knew about the shortage in crossing guards, um, the additive for the, the monitor on the bus, you know, and now it's here in our state. So it doesn't surprise me because it's been hitting other states. Why wouldn't you think that it would hit here as well? Well, you think very differently than I do because my thing was if it's hitting every other state, then that should be a law for you to get yourself together. You already see the havoc is wreaking someplace else. So, hey, let's get ourselves together. That is just, like, so idiotic. And, you know, it's funny because when I, I was going to bring up this driver thing, and you you, you beat me to it because I was going to bring it up when it got back to me. Do you know how many times we have to tell them to drop? Hey, 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 hey. You want to slow down? Or, listen, I want to get to the destination. Yeah. <laughs> It is this, I'm telling you this, and you have to put a parent through that in the morning. It, this is ridiculous. Shanti? Yes. Uh, I, I don't understand how y'all are able, whoever the y'all are, whoever the powers that be, y'all are able to think of accessorize. And all of this as a recourse, right? But nobody thinks about just eliminating the issue altogether and just either paying these people what they are worth paying. So if the drivers feel like they are underpaid, then y'all address this accordingly. Or if this is a case of just the drivers just deciding, okay, we're getting paid fairly, but we just want more, and they figure starting this strike right before school is going to corner, corner the union, 
into now just succumbing to their demands because you do now have all of these children who have to get to and from school. It's like I agree because even though I'm one who gets to ride with the disabled in their excessive ride, um, that already is, you know, I, I was on edge a lot of times when we put my grandmother in the excessive ride, you know, if we weren't riding with her. And she didn't have a problem sometimes saying what she needed to say. Other times she didn't speak up. But it, it's just so now you either what, as a parent, put your child in this vehicle with a driver who you may never see again. So God forbid something happens. Now you have that on your mind of tracking this driver down, all that, versus a bus driver who nine times out of ten you can, you know, pull their name up or whatever the case may be a lot easier. It, it's just they – I see that they, they try to be on point with the substitutions rather than, all right, let's everyone sit down. During the time, the the summertime is the best time to get this situated because the drivers are not in, you know, highest demand. And I do know that there have been a lot of bus drivers during the summertime because they were commuting the, student, the kids back and forth to camp. But if that was a strike, then okay. It's the summertime. But during the school year, like, this is not, I, it, it, it's just too much of, well, let's just try to do this. Well, let's just try to do that. Let's just try. And you do have to be concerned with how, you know, the, the parents are feeling. This is too much on <laughs> A lot of parents on edge, a lot of the students, on how do you know that the students feel safe, you know, or comfortable with, you know, not you being in, in a car, with someone who you don't know, you, you're never going to see again. And they, they do drive ridiculous. So how is this now just like a comfortable option rather than during the time that this should be taken care of? Let's nip this in the bud right now. Absolutely. You know, stop being reactive and be proactive. You're right. about to pay. Listen, if accessoride needs to be done or, or, or utilized, you have to pay these people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So not only are you throwing a monkey wrench in the rotation, because now what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to outsource for more brokers. And those are the, the regular cars. And mm-hmm. I mean, it would be wonderful for them, but you still got to pay these people. So why don't you give it to the people who it, it's their job already? Go ahead. It's, uh, not only that, but now that's more. Here you're trying to, you're, they're beginning to charge people. There's been this thing where they're going to start charging people to go into the city, you know, if you drive. So the only people who will be exempt are the, like, accessorized um uh, passengers, they're not going to charge us to go into the city. And I, I forgot the other, there's another except, uh, exemption. But now you've got all these, these extra cars potentially on the road in the morning. So now you've got now more pollution. And all, it, it, what, what, why not just be proactive and take care of this problem, like you said, Shanties, and then that was my thought. I'm like, oh, okay, do this. It's not like you don't have to pay anybody. You still got to now pay people. So, and we talked about this before. 
just take care of the situation before it gets to this point. And for some reason, this nation just does not seem to operate like this. It's, it's where let the chips fall where they may. We'll deal with the problem when it comes. And here all of these, you know, substitutions and alternatives. And these are not great substitutions and alternatives. They are a substitution or a an alternative. Other than that, it's not the greatest. It's just mm-hmm. catch and mandate, and you're going to end up giving in to these people anyway because you can't go the whole school year. Look at the other ones where you, you know, like Tamika said, we can't offer three hundred dollars a a year a month, you know, to to because we ain't got no 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 people who drive here. They utilize the public transportation, so they are really they they have failed greatly in taking care of, um, you know, of our children and their needs. Speaking of which, the the next um, the next item that Vivian gave us was the fact that three hundred and seventy two million dollars they're supposed to be spending or they have spent on the DOE special needs program and these children are not getting their services. 10,000 preschool students missed out on their services for an entire year and they're blaming the lack of staff. Again, you already know the children that you need to service. How is it that you're allowing yourself to be behind the eight ball here? That makes no sense, Tamika. Oh, yeah, that is. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, you can blame it on lack of staff. Um, remember, we also talked about, you know, the mentality of people today is me first you know so we talked about the um bus assistant who wasn't watching a a individual and literally that person choked to death you know um and you know i want to look at my phone i want to pay attention to you know the the staff and and things that we had in our day are not the same (laughs) You know, it's just, I just want a job. I want to make money, you know, and, you know, I'm not caring about, I'm not really involved, you know, in the students. And and I'm not saying that it's everyone, but I just want a job. I want to make some money, you know, um, and I'm not really involved in this child's life. I don't really care what's going on, you know. um, I'm just trying to make money, you know. And so with that mentality, you don't really wholeheartedly – you just, you just, it's just a job for you. It's not, you know, life, you know. And teachers back in the day, they really, like, involved themselves. They gave of themselves, you know. It was, there were extra things that they did that, you see just now, uh, I work from 9 to 5. And 501, you know, if, if something is going yep. on at 501, I'm not involved, yep. you know. Or 301 <laughs> or whatever the time is, I'm, not, I'm no longer involved, you know. They're out of my classroom. And literally, they're literally standing outside the door. But they're out of my classroom, so I'm not really involved in what what is important. And so it's not just the lack of staff; it's the lack of being involved, the lack of caring, um, the, the 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 I'm just trying to get a check, you know, that type of mentality that 
changes things. And, you know, our youth really, you know, I pray daily for our youth because, you know, when you don't involve yourself, then they, then you're actually doing your workplace a disservice. When you say, oh, well, I'm only here from such and such and, and I'm, I'm here to get a check, then that child misses out on the, the engagement that is so necessary and so vital. You know, you're supposed to reinforce the things that mom and dad does, you know, that, that they're teaching the child, but you go, I, don't, I don't care. That's not my child, you know, and so that, that, that really hurts our youth. Yeah, this, this, is, this is pretty bad. Um, Shantice, you know, they're talking about from up high, they have neglected to service these, you know, needs. And is it just, you know, are we going to put the blame on the fact of teacher shortage? Well, where did the money go? They gave them, they provided the money for the services, but the students did not get the service, right? Right. So where's the money? <laughs> and 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 why? Like that's my first question. So where's the money? Is that the money that could be going to the bus drivers? And now and why? Why has there not been? Listen, if you have the money, I don't see whoever providing the money for, um, you know, the students to get the extra educational care they need. And they put it out there, hey, we have the funds to hire teachers for this, and no te- no qualified teachers are stepping up and saying, here I am, here I am, I can take the job, I want the job. So something's going on. All right, because the, the issue is funding. Now funding isn't an issue, but now the students are not getting the proper care that they need. That sounds real crazy to me because money is always the issue so our money isn't an issue and the problem there's still a problem there's something going on that is not being said because that doesn't make any sense to me it's not like something's missing some information is, is missing some information is not being said because i i don't I, there are qualified teachers out here you have the money to pay them then why are there not any teachers teaching well, well, here's the interesting part, because Vivian said that fraud, there's some level of fraud that, mm. um, that's been mentioned. And, and here's my question. Why not a new chancellor? I'm sorry. You know, listen, you hire a new chancellor now, you've got a certain amount of time to make a difference. If mm-hmm. you are applying for a chancellor's job, you should not just be given the job as a chancellor. You should have to lay out a plan that's going to go into action. Now, listen, I definitely understand that everything takes a minute to kind of shift gear because you're going to have to get rid of some people, and, and that's, that's going to be very challenging. And you're going to have to shift some things around. That's going to be very challenging. However, mm-hmm. when you are dealing with this kind of money, and then you come back and say that our children, where this money has been, you know, allocated for, 
a whole year that these children did not get their services. Somebody is using this money for something. And I mm-hmm. where is the money? This is not this is not just an issue of a shortage of teachers. That's garbage. Or do what uh-huh. they've done in other states. What they've done is they've paid people to become teachers. And, I, you know, somebody said that's a, you know, a, a, a roll of the dice. Well, I say, yeah, well, you're rolling them anyway. You're rolling them anyway who people who, who already go to school to get the credentials and then they, they come up, they show up drunk on the job. So what's the difference? I say put the money out there, attract some people who may not have been interested, but they do have a love for children. Change the school system because that's what's happening here. A lot of the teachers that once cared because of all the rules and regulations, and, and Brother Al talks about this all the time. You've got a group of people in there that do care, and then you chase them out because you've got all these stupid rules and regulations that don't benefit them. So now you run the risk of all these thousands of dollars kind of being swin- swindled, Um you know, you have so many different, like I think it was um, Lady Tamika mentioned, or, or you did, maybe, Chanti, bus drivers. Well, when you say the money is allocated for their services, that's from the rooter to the tutor. That's everything. Uh-huh. That's absolutely everything. So my thing is, okay, it's not just a teacher. It's a this, it's a, it's a bus driver. Because remember, like I said, you don't get school bus services in New York City unless you are in the special needs category. So that's their money also. So like you, when you say, well, is it going to the um, the bus drivers? That's it's a good question because they are a part of that budget. There's mm-hmm. a comment from a listener. Shanti, what you got? Yes, the listener sent in, it's not only teachers, it's the service providers like the physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, behavioral therapist, and psychologist. That I'm assuming, as you just said, all of those people get fit into the budget as well. Absolutely. So there's the stamp right there. And, you know, you have to, if you that you're not getting all of these people, you then start using some of that money to recruit. Uh-huh. Let people know that hey, you know, because, okay, listen, you have a lot of people who take, who go to college and they take what's the thing that when you don't know what you want to take? A special liter- liberal arts. Li- liberal arts. Yes, liberal arts. So because they're undecided. Well, maybe if you start advertising, we need physical mm-hmm. therapists, we need occupational therapists, we need like some of the services that that the the, the uh, listener just mentioned, bus drivers. We need this, we need that. Maybe then you'll start recruiting some people. So you know what? I I, I like kids, and you know, there's it, it's here because, like I said, it's so it's it's it. Listen, you couldn't get no worse than what you got now. You couldn't. You honestly couldn't. Mm-hmm. Because that's the next one we're going to is the third grade teacher. 
No, we got one more I want to discuss before we do that. Well, this this migrant thing where, you know, we talked about this last week where Vivian says <laughs> they're celebrating the migrants working. Now, isn't that something? We're celebrating them working. They're being paid twelve fifty at least, or, I don't know, could be a little bit less than that. You know, we, um, we're now getting these people, you know, legitimate, and you're giving them their credentials, and now they're starting to work because a lot of foreigners do love to work. They're not here just to, you know, live off the, the, the uh, system, if you will. They are willing to work. So now you do have them in motion. They're now working. And, again, you've got how many jobs did Vivian say? 450,000 jobs open. Well, we can't give them all to the the, um, migrants because somebody got to watch the kids. So you have these people, and not all 450,000 jobs are jobs that you can just come from Venezuela and get. Some of these jobs, you need credentials other than a social security number. You need, you know, education. You need experience. So that's not going to answer everything. What do you say about this celebration to work for the migrants, Lady Tamika? I think it is, you know, a beautiful thing that they are beginning to work, you know. I, I, I thought about, and it still bothered me about what Elder Natisha said last week about uh, it seems like a form of slavery. So you bring them here, and then you don't give them anything to do, you know. And so right. now that they're working, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, when, when you just think about it just in normal, you have an adult who is not working. What's the next best thing to do? You know, and, and we're talking about a depraved mind. You know, i got to find a way of getting what I need. So that means stealing. That means getting what I need from anybody at any time, at any given time. You know, I'm not working, and you're not allowing me to work. So, you know, I'm glad that they are working. My heart goes out to the gentleman who 12 hours a day, you know, I, just, wow. I remember a job that I, wow. I remember a job that I worked. I used to work from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I hated wow. it. When I tell you I absolutely hated that job, I worked six days from 7 to 7, and then the last day, 7 to 3. I quit that job so fast. So yeah. very fast. I think I worked maybe, yeah. I think I worked maybe two weeks, and then I told them, you can take this job. Wow. And, job. You know, and I meant it from the wow. bottom of my heart. You know, and so my thing is he's working 12 hours and volunteering, you know, and so um, I, I, my heart goes out to him, you know, the fact that I want to be, you know, that says something. When you're willing to work those many hours and volunteer, that says something about the mentality of the individual. And, you know, we, we often talk about those that are going awry, but you do have individuals that I'm here, I want to make, you know, it, it, it wasn't that right. my desire to be here, but now that I'm here, I want to make a living. I want to do right. I want to take care of my family. I want to, you know, I want to live just like everybody else. And, you know, you should be able to have that opportunity. I'm glad that they're doing it. You know, I'm glad that, you know, you're, you're helping individuals that 
want to, you know, um, that want to make a living. I just, you know, the, the, the time frame, 12 hours, you know, think of what that does to the body. You know, and mm. now you've got an individual mm-hmm. working and putting in all those hours, you know, and, you know, this is twice as I'm sure he didn't have to work like that when he was at home. And now he's here. But the fact that he's trying, you know, says a lot about individuals that want to make it. You know, my heart goes out to individuals who are trying, you know, um, I'm glad that the opportunity is open. My heart just goes out to those who are trying. Yes, yes, yes. That twelve hours hit my brain too. Shanti. Yeah. Um, I I like the idea of them working to definitely keep their minds occupied. Is something I was saying last night. You know, you bring them over here, they have nothing to do, they can't um take care of themselves in any way now. One of the first things that comes to mind is some type of criminal act. Even if it's something as small as stealing a blanket that I need when the weather breaks because I'm cold, because my kids are cold. You know, so being able to give them something to do is great. Um, still, you know, feeling some type of way about the message you're sending to, you know, the the citizens that are already here. Um, not counting the ones who, not talking about the ones who are lazy, who just don't want to do nothing. But the ones who are out here always actively looking for work and there are no mountains moved and stuff for them, but you move a mountain for migrants. How that looks now to them, but my hurrah mainly goes to, okay, you brought them here, you're giving them something to do because we all see out of time and out of mind. We see people who have a job who still find time to get into stuff they ain't got no business getting into. But at least now... Um, you know, you have an obligation, your mind is on the obligation, especially since, okay, they may be providing work, but they're not providing stable living conditions. So now the mindset may very well be, okay, if I work, now I can afford to now get an apartment, even if I have to bunk with someone, but I can afford to contribute to rent or pay rent or something like that because they made it to where I'm able to work on the books. So in that, you know, aspect, thinking of those things, it's like, okay, well, you know, you've given them, especially now that school is back in effect, which means there are a lot more kids out in the streets right now. You definitely can't have all these kids out in the street and all these migrants just wandering around, wondering what they're going to do for the day. That ain't going to work. Absolutely, absolutely. You know go back a little bit. I'm sure you're not over in Venezuela or these other countries and they're making you come here. Mm-hmm. I, I that that is a very hard sell for Stephanie. Mm-hmm. So you you're you're advertising or whatever you say, you know, hey, you know, the United States is accepting people, however you say it, you know, it's voluntary, I'm sure. They're not putting people out of these countries. But they're making it where it's supposed to be some level of opportunity for you. So you you leave from there where most most times that we've heard, you know, they work these twelve hours, fifteen hours, seventeen hours, whatever, and they really don't make any money. 
they're surely not making mm-hmm. 150 to $200 a day. That's not happening out in Venezuela, where this that gentleman is coming from. They don't make that kind of money out there. But is it fair to make them still work these 12 hours to get $150, $200 a day? Some people say, well, it's better than where you came from. But, again, I kind of lean back to what was said last week with Elton I teach as well, where you know, it's a slave mentality. It's what, and, and that's what I always thought. It's like, what do they feel they're going to get from pulling all these people in? It has to be something in it for the United States. And, and I, I thought the same thing. Like, it's got to be something about labor because, you know, they're, they're coming from, you know, the, 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 you know, what do they call it? The workshops, the slave shops, the whatever they call them. So in all honesty, it's really not much different here. They're just paying you a different salary and you're legal here. So, you know, are we really doing them, a, 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 you know, doing them justice or are we still getting the best of the pie? And you couldn't offer a whole lot of American people 12 hours a day at $150, $200. And that's the problem. You know, you, you're looking to give these same jobs to people, you know, and you're going, here's what you're doing. You're smashing and saying, well, you don't want to work. And here, guess what? All these people come over here and they'll work. Well, because there is something better about what they're getting now than when they were in Venezuela and these other countries. Now, I'll be the first to say that is a whole lot of American people, and I've had to stop people from saying a certain verbiage. Well, they're coming over here taking our jobs. They're not taking anything. If y'all would work, there would be a whole lot less jobs to fill. So here's what they've done. They've now said, you don't want to work? Fine. Now they're going to work these people to death. So now you're going to offer them a 12-hour job. Listen, generally, people who work 12-hour shifts don't make this kind of money. I just got finished talking to a friend of mine who's a nurse. And, you know, I said to him, I said, you know, we're, up, we're almost 60 years old. He was talking about the 12 hours, and I said, you've got to be tired. You, you, you've been at this for a long time. We're almost 60 years old. You can't do those 12 hours as easy as you used to do it. And he said, no. He said, it's hard. These 12 hours are definitely harder than it was when I first started. But they're not making $11, $12, $13 an hour. So now you're going to break these jobs down, and now you're going to give it to these people who are going to think that, oh, my God, I got on the gravy train. But look at what he has to do. He still has to then go volunteer to make ends meet. So uh, what are you really offering these people at the end of the day? You know, again, you're bringing them over here, and you're not treating them a whole lot better than where they're coming from. And I do not subscribe to, well, it's better than where they were. So, no, you can't trade people like this. So, you know, if this is a really, this is this this is bad. This is bad. Uh-huh. That's why I get the breakdown from Vivian, because I'm like, all right, I, I can pull out the calculator, but I, I can't be multitasking like that. I need somebody to give me these quick numbers. And she had said it, but I, I missed it. 
and I'm saying to myself, well, this ain't a whole lot different than where they come from. And and, and, in essence, this could be worse, to be honest. Because, see, over there, they don't have. So that's why they're suffering the way they are. Here is Uh a much different situation. It's Uh not that we, quote, unquote, don't have. Because all of these these school teacher shortages and things like that, let me tell you something. As much as we're inheriting a lot of bad people, I'm sure there are a lot of Venezuelans and these people from the other countries that are educated enough or who can be taught. Look at all the children that are coming over here. Our our American-born teachers cannot service these children. Educate them. Pay for them to go to school and let them learn so now we can educate, put them in the education system and let them help our children who are now coming here. Because di- didn't Mariah say something, Shantice, about, well, there was a child, that the kid can't really speak English? Yes, there was um, a transfer student. I, I don't remember the country that they came from. But she was in the class and didn't speak any English. Yeah. And we I think we talked about this before where what is their quality of learning when there's no mm-hmm. one to teach these children? So take some of these people, stop stop stopping them and dragging everything out of them and put some some get some brains and put some real strategy to this now and make this work for us and for the people that you're bringing here. Because I think that instead of weighing down the country and these individual cities and states with all of these migrants, you can actually, instead of using them, you can utilize them, which is a big difference. All right, excuse me. Boy, okay, because I, I, I do want to talk to you ladies about something else today. All right, so... You've got this third grade teacher who, on the first day of school, has been found drunk. She's not only didn't come to work drunk, she's been drinking on the job, thus she got drunk there. I mean, how much drunk girl can you get? So she's really intoxicated as of this moment. They, you know, snag her and pull out the class. And she wants to know about her job. Now, I don't want to comment on this more than the obvious. But my question is, do we get, prior to this, do was she a good teacher? Prior to you finding her drunk on the job, if she was, my question to you ladies is, do we get her help or do we just fire her? And I'll ask all of you who are listening, come on, you know how to get to us. Do you think we value maybe what she had been bringing to the to the table maybe there's something going on with her she needs some therapy do you know, let me let me help you all understand something here there are there's some clause and i can tell you this emphatically there are and i don't know how how it is now but you must offer Drug rehabilitation or alcohol rehabilitation before you can fire a person. I don't know if they're doing that with the teachers, but I'm telling you, from my HR experience, 
you there are certain jobs that you must offer them before you can fire them. You've got to give them an opportunity to get clean. MTA is one of them. As scary as that is, MTA is one of them. Had someone very close had a serious problem, and when I spoke to a a a, 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 a an associate, she was sitting at the top of MTA, and I asked her. I said, this person is ridden with drugs. Every time you turn around, they, and, they, and they are a bus driver. What is going on? And she said to me, she's like, you in HR? She said, you know. She said, here, we have to give them an opportunity. So I say that to say, is this something we want to do for our teachers? Oh, we keep hearing teacher shortage. So let's just say for argument's sake, because she's a lady who's up in age. Vivian gave an, this is not, Vivian, send us the age of this, this, this uh, teacher, please. She, he's not a young teacher. So she's been in the system a minute. Do we give her an opportunity to say, you know what, hey, here's therapy. Get yourself together or you don't have a job. Or do we just fire her on the spot because she was found drunk on the job and you should know better. You have our children in your care. You know, I get it. What do you think, uh, um, Lady Tamika? What's your thought on this? I am so okay. Very she's fifty-three years no. old, Viv. She's fifty-three. Thank you, Vivian. She's fifty-three. Our children are precious jewels, and you know we we need staff, as you can see. You know, and. When, when we're talking about that, I, I'm so concerned about everything that entails a school. They're not just, you know, teachers, you know, janitors, maintenance workers, you know. Each one of them, you know, is affected by all of this. And so if you keep firing people, what do you have left? You know, um, my, my concern is that you took the liquor to work, you know, is, is, is it that You've been working so long, you're tired of, you know, this situation coming to work. You know, you you got children of your own at home, and now you're coming to school, you got children there, you know, and you just decided that you were going to, you know, you had to know at that age, you know, and working, I'm sure she didn't just start, and working that long that it could affect your job, you know, to the point that you're slovingly, they noticed that you were drinking. You know, we also know that there are people, and I know of an individual who no longer, thank God, you know, is delivered, but used to go to work smelling, kind of reeking of liquor, you know. And so we we need to make sure that we can get them what they need. You know, is it something that's um, happening at home? Is it the stress of the job? You know, um, and I, I have seen, you know, teachers, when you come to pick up your children, they don't look the same way they look first thing in the morning when you drop them off, you know, so we know that there are, you know, concerns that, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm agreeing with we you. Know that, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, okay, yeah. We know that there are concerns that happen during school hours. I mean, they look stressed out sometimes when you come and get them, and then they have to go home and take care of their own livelihood. And so let's offer them what's necessary. You know, and give them a time frame. Listen, you got, you, you got to get yourself together, you know. You're not going to be here, you know, 15 years and you're still, you know, doing the same thing and bringing liquor to work and people can notice that you are 
slatternly drunk. That's an issue. You know, um, if we keep firing people, we're not going to have anybody to, to teach our children. You know, um, and, you know, this is a situation that most likely is emotional, you know, that we can try to gauge. It's not as though, hopefully, you know, it's not an issue where um, the teacher is um, hitting children, you know, or doing something like that, you know, then if, if it gets to a point where you get to the point where you're literally putting your hands on children, then we definitely have to, you know, we have to make you leave. You know, um, but let's try and take care of what is going on mentally, emotionally, and spiritually first. All righty, all righty. Shanti, what say you? <clears throat> I think ain't nobody teaching no way if you drunk. Ain't nobody learning nothing. <clears throat> ain't no teacher. It's, it's almost like no teachers in the room. Vivian mentioned, I don't think she mentioned it on air. I think it was during, like, the group of us talking how there have already been school shootings and it's the beginning of the school year. God forbid someone ran up in that school. As the teacher, you are responsible for immediately at any given moment, it's like having a fire drill. You have to rally the kids up. You have to get them calm, keep them calm, keep them secluded, whatever the procedures are for whatever is happening. How are you doing that if you're stumbling over your own feet because you done took a shot glass? Because my thing is if you took this alcohol to work and you got drunk at work, that means, A, your tolerance level is low unless you started drinking, like you started pre-gaming while you were getting ready for work. Or you done took this bottle in a shot glass and you were just taking straight shots, no chaser, so that by the time these students started walking up in the class, you were drunk. I understand the whole, you know, offer them because anyone who does that does need help, regardless of what grade you teach. You go to work and get drunk at work, you need help. I don't see how you can now stay a teacher so maybe after because you could definitely couldn't be an outpatient meaning how I'm not seeing how this is what you're doing at work and now during treatment you're still teaching during treatment I'm that's not making sense to me so there would be time where you have to be away from the children during treatment if you stick and commit to the treatment, I could see even if you're still employed with the DOE or whatever school system you're working for, maybe you then become, you know, you have another type of job. Um, but I think it's like what message are you now sending the kids? What grade was she teaching? You know, we had where a, a kindergarten student took Jose Cuervo to school. So on their own, with whatever's going on in the home, Alcohol is already being introduced to these kids. Now they come to school and alcohol is being introduced to these kids. You just came from summer vacation. You ain't drinking enough during the summer. That now you're doing this in the school, in the classroom. I I personally, I, I agree with the treatment, um, but I, I don't see how now you can still be a teacher and that effective, especially with the way 
these kids are being brought up now, unfortunately, um, with what's going on in a lot of these homes, the school is the safe haven for a lot of these a lot of these kids. A lot of these kids they get to escape the nightmares at home by going to school. So how fair is it for me as a child to leave a nightmare to come to a nightmare? How do you know I don't have drunk parents at home that I'm trying to run from? And okay, at least I get to go to school. And you know this is a new teacher for the new school year, but now she drunk. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't think that maybe not, you know, fired completely, but a position as a teacher, maybe not. Okay, point well taken. So we're not talking about not punishing. We're not talking about, you know, maybe I didn't make myself clear. We're not talking about letting her work while she's in treatment. However, you, life is life. Let's call it what it is. We don't know what's going on in these individual lives that we, if we were going through the same thing, it would not be a breakdown. Excuse me. So is there something going on that, like I said, my thing is, look at her history. At 53 years old, you didn't become a teacher last year. You've had to be a teacher has her work been exemplary up to this point? If she's been a teacher where there's been no problems and all of a sudden now we notice that there's a decline, then I believe that you owe it to her and any other teacher to allow them to go get, this is my personal opinion, to allow them to go get treatment. No, you're not going to be working with no kids during this time. And I would say, even if you don't sponsor in, you know, in uh, in house, that you sponsor some outpatient, whatever you decide to do. But you do have to go to some level of treatment because for you to actually take this alcohol to work and continue to drink while you're there, there's a huge problem. So it needs to be, in all fairness, you know, give an opportunity. Listen, hopefully, you know, when she emerges, she's back on board fully, back to where she used to be, and now we have a teacher who is worth, who was worth saving, and now she's on board and she's good for the, for the children. That to, that, to me, would be better than putting them in front of a brand new person that you don't know nothing about. Give her an opportunity to get herself together. And if she opts to, she does not complete the program or she does decide that she does not want to go, then you have you don't have a job. But by all means, for me, give her an opportunity, especially if you go back in her work history as a teacher and you see she's doing well. Did she fail? Absolutely. I agree with you, ladies. Where, listen, you're going to have to be on point because, God forbid, something jumps off in this school. You, you're you the point person, not the kids, you. That's what you're being paid for. You're not here just to educate, but you're also here to protect. You failed. You fell down on the job. What seems to be going on? Is getting you help going to help us? Is getting help going to help? You know, yes. Is it sending a certain message to the children when you show up drunk? Absolutely. Is this a haven for some children, because their situation at home is horrific, absolutely. But if you get her back on board, does she provide that haven 
and that educational level that she that can benefit the children. Possibly. But if you just throw her out to the trash, then you invite other people to come in. I'll, this is one area where, it, and I don't like to use this uh, phrase, the, the, the devil that I know, because she's really not somebody right now that you possibly did know. So if y'all look back in her record and she had a pristine, you know, history and no problem, then by all means, get her some help. We owe her that. She serviced our children. We owe her that. At least that's where my brain goes. Ladies, we've got a little bit of time. My hope is that, you know, uh, Lady Tamika can hang out with us. And I'd like to talk about something. And you know what? This is kind of uh, actually kind of going down the same line we just got finished talking about. Let me see if I can pull this up really quickly. We're talking about the detours of life. And listen, it is what it is. We, 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 we just ain't prepared. And one of the things, the detour, it says the detours appear suddenly and without warning. Here we go. Prime example. Do we walk up into this or not? Lady Tamika, what you got for us? Detours appear suddenly and without warning. Actually, there's all kinds of stuff every day, you know, that can um, sway us, that can set us off. You know, you're, you're about to handle everything. You know, your finances are doing well, and all of a sudden, you know, you get a calamity that um, is more than a check work. You know, it's going to put you, you know, in debt. That's a side swipe, you know, or think everything is going well, your marriage is amazing, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, that person looks at you and says, I don't want you anymore, you know, or, you know, the person that you've been depending on or looking at and, you know, um, everything is going well and they pass away. You know, there's all kinds of detours in life that transpire that you weren't looking forward to, that you didn't expect. Um, and it's, that's another reason why prayer is so crucial. God help me in the midst of whatever it is that I'm going through. Help me to get through whatever it is that I'm going through, whether it's something that happens at this moment or something that it's going to take me a while to deal with. God, help me, you know, you know, hold me up on all landing sides so that I don't falter in the midst of that. You know, we often talk about those people, but we don't realize how close we are to those people. It's one calamity that can cause you to spaz out on somebody and become a totally different individual and so there are detours everywhere and it's only with God's help that we can maintain on a daily basis. All right, all right, all right, nice start. Tati, detours of life, you know, hey, listen, they appear suddenly and without warning. We just got ready to talk about that. Absolutely, there's a lot that's being introduced to us, a lot of negligence on other, you know, other people, how other people's negligence affects us, how our own negligence affects us, that will have our so-called plans derailed. Um, you know, even when God introduces his plans, 99% of the time, it was nowhere near the plan we thought of for ourselves. So even with that alone, even if you're talking about that aspect alone, there's always some type of detour. We just 
growing God and learn that his plan is going to be a plan that prevails for sure. But we don't know how our plan is going to work out. So there are a lot of um, unexpected feelings, unexpected, um, you know, at 3 o'clock I feel this way, but at 3 o'clock and 30 seconds I feel that way. Um, you know, I may like you right now, but tomorrow I may not like you, may not want to talk to you again. There's so many different things that are going on. Even a lot of times we underestimate how things that have nothing to do with us directly takes a toll on us mentally and emotionally a lot of the times as well. Um, you know, a lot of the things that's going on, so like how we've been speaking a lot about the migrant situation or, you know, a lot about the um, the parents who've been leaving their kids in the car and all that. A lot of times, you know, I may not be the parent that left my kid in the car or it hasn't been someone in my family who left their kid in the car, but a lot of times we don't understand how those things can now affect the way we think, the way we feel, the, the, the decisions that we make, you know, which can now detour our original mindset, you know, our original desires and intentions and motives. So there's always detours in life. Never know when um, things are going to switch up. So unless, like Lady Tika said, unless you're grounded in God, you don't understand the concept of, learning how to be amenable at any time to change, because there's always going to be change. There's always going to be change. But the difference is learning how to be amenable with the change. All righty, all righty. Lady Tamika, we're talking about we don't know the length of detour. Oh, what about that one? Yeah, I kind of touched on it didn't know that that was the next one, but Definitely, you know, um, we have no idea how long it's going to take. You know, um, I, I mentioned about, you know, you had finances and you had everything together. And you, let's just say you have a car accident. We know that there's no cheap car. You know, tires cost money, you know. And in some instances, you have all your money earmarked for something. And now, boom, there's something that happens, you know, or You've got a child who um, has glasses, you know. Oh, mommy, I lost my glasses. What do you mean you lost your glasses? You know, like they went out to some affair and lost glasses. So now there's another. You know, you don't know how much time it's going to take, how much energy, how much effort, um, how much finances, resources, all of those things, you know. Um, Losing a loved one, grief, you know, that takes time on your mental, your emotional, your spiritual You know, how long is it going to take for you to heal from the wound of someone saying, literally, I don't want to be with you anymore. You know, you've invested all these years and now all of a sudden you find yourself by yourself for whatever reason. We're talking about grief. We're talking about divorce. We're talking about financial issues. All of that. And it's not just one thing. It entails so much more than just that one moment, you know, and how, God, how how do I deal with tomorrow? Not even just tomorrow. How do I deal with next year? How do I deal with the next five, ten years? How long is it going to take? You know, and only, again, with God's help, can we continue to um, to function and function well. You know, I've seen people that have gone through some seriously traumatic things, and, and there's a phrase that says, I don't look like what I've been through. And there's a reason for that, and it's only with God's help that we can endure. 
All right, all right. Shakti, how do we handle the detours of life when we don't know how long that detour is going to last? We better get to know Jesus if you don't, because the detour <laughs> can only last for five seconds, but it feels like 18 years. It feels like forever because it wasn't a part of your plans. Already, you know, your mind is set on something, and now that switches up. That's enough to drive you crazy in itself. You know, and also what we, especially those of us who have given our life to God, a lot of the detour, the length of that a lot of times has to do with us. You know, our attitude, our obedience. Our discipline, our consistency, our us being intentional, that has everything to do mostly with the length of the detour, you know, because if you're not focused on being still, if you're supposed to be still, or if you're not focused on moving a certain way when you're supposed to move a certain way, you can now make this a whole lot longer than what it was supposed to be. So that has everything to do with that. So if you don't know God, you better get to know him. Because other than that, you again, you don't grasp the concept. You know, if you've ever, uh, most of us have watched, and we used to say, <laughs> we used to go through this all the time with my grandmother. Something small could happen, and we said, and she, oh, Lord. And we're like, stop. Like, it ain't not even happen yet. Like, relax. Okay, mm-hmm. but to her, mm-hmm. it was like the worst thing that could be said or done at that time, in that moment. And if we just let her stay there, she would have drove herself crazy. And it was something that could have been, you know, adjusted or dealt with at that time. But because her head wasn't at, okay, let's resolve this, it was just focusing on whatever was going on. At that time, she could have made that process so much longer and given herself so much more than a headache than what, it's like we're feeding into stuff that doesn't deserve our time and attention the way we want to because our focus isn't there. So it has everything a lot of the times to do with how we are, how we think, and that will determine the length of the detour. And that. All right. Ladies, we're going to put a pin right there because, uh, we come to that point in that hour where we're going to hold hands in a whole heart. But I want to thank you for your contribution into today's conversation. And we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you, so Thank you. Mm. All right, let's hold hands in a whole heart and go before them. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for the very air we breathe. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that we have been awakened to be given a brand new set of tender mercies, brand new hope for the day, a brand new love and investment that you have for us. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for keeping us on your mind. And, Lord, even if we didn't have you on our mind this morning, we say thank you because you now have us with you on our mind. And we thank you, God, because it's not just for the moment. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that 
Now we can take you throughout the day. Now that you've given us food for thought, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you because today was wow. And today we had an opportunity to have that wow effect in our life. That there's always something great you have planned for us. That even if we don't call it Wow Thursday or Wow Friday or give that uh, name to any other day, you're always wowing us. There was something that was said here today, God, that was used as a blessing for our lives. Not a life, but every single one of us who listened today, God, could walk away with something special, something that we didn't wake up with, something that you introduced to us today. You showed us a brand new God, a God that we never knew, a God of different hope and possibilities, and we say thank you. And we pray, dear Heavenly Father, as each individual, whether they listen today, next week, next month, that they would not leave this broadcast the way they entered in. That you've always got a wild factor in it for us. And let us extract what that wild factor is as an individual. We love you, God, because you never leave us nor forsake us in any shape, form, or fashion. You continually hug us, love us up, grow us up in you. If we stay the course, if we allow you to do so, that's a promise. Thank you. Your word says nothing good would, would I withhold from you. And I thank you today, God. We thank you today for just that promise. That as long as we log in or call in, nothing good will you withhold from us. We ask you to be with our Pastor Charlene as she's healing from her procedure, God. We ask you to be with our Minister Michelle, the Heavenly Father, as she's healing. We ask you to be with our Elder Nitisha, the Heavenly Father, as she's Working to Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, for all of our other due time members who invest via you on a regular basis. And we give you the glory and the honor, God, so rightly do your name. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hmm. The detours of life, like I said, how apropos. It was for us to actually walk into that when we talked about the teacher who was so intoxicated that she was three times over the limit when she was removed. And I think about, you know, and you've heard me say, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. 
they need to go to jail, they need to lose their job, they need to, you know, shift and get another type job. You've heard, you know, us weigh in on these things numerous times. But there's something about this particular case, and again, I guess because we're constantly talking about the fact that we don't have teachers and there's a teacher shortage. And when I heard Vivian say that the age of this teacher, I was shocked. I don't know about the rest of you, but I was personally kind of thrown. I was like, wow, she's kind of old. You know, she's, well, where has she been all this time? And she's just coming to work and and allowing herself to get this particular level of drunk. So, you know, my mind starts going to who was she before today or before the day they found her? Have we lost our way? Have we, you know, done something or have we been negligent in some way that could have caused some major calamity, but we didn't think about it like that? Is it something that, you know, God gave us a reprieve on? And, you know, it was a, it was a bad split. It wasn't just a split. It was a bad split. Bad split. Well, what did God do with us? Prior to that, you know, our behavior, our work ethic was pursued. But something happened that we kind of got off track and had mercy not our way to us. Boy, would that have been a bad situation. Have we driven drunk and had mercy not had its way? We could have killed someone on the road. We could have hurt someone. We could could have done some irreparable damage. Yeah, that's just as dangerous. Have we done something so reckless in a split second? You know, these detours of life is what we're talking about because that there is a detour of life for her. Because, see, now we don't know how long it's going to take. You know, we talked about the fact that we don't know the length of the detour. Well, this detour could take her for um, six months, a year. We don't know how long. Her job might be in jeopardy. Her job might be guaranteed. We don't know. But like the lady said, we have to hold out for Jesus. Because we don't know how long these detours are going to take. And a lot of times, the detours, we have every responsibility for. And there were other times that they're just, like the lady said, this is going to be things that happen in life that are out of our control, that we had no idea was coming down the pipeline. And we've got to be ready to give it to the Lord and let the Lord tell us what to do. Because that's a, that, that's a lot of uh, the reason why a lot of times our detours end up longer than they need to be. Look at the children of Israel. 
An 11-day journey now becomes a 40-year situation. And I say situation because it wasn't just a journey. A whole, whole lot of stuff happened in them 40 years. They lost a lot of people along the way for many different reasons. There were things we don't, we would never know went on in them 40 years. But it was an 11-day journey. 40 years they spent. I think about Abraham and Sarah. And, you know, I did uh, research one time. And I was like, how long was it before or between the time when God told Abraham and Sarah about the coming of Israel, not, not Israel, let me call him Israel, Isaac, Isaac, and when Isaac finally arrived, that was quite a many a year from the beginning. I'm not talking about it when he said a year from now. I'm talking about from the beginning of the promise, quite a few years. And we have to be prepared at all times for when God gives us a word and when the word finally comes through. That's a long journey sometimes. And we're not really prepared for it most times. That detour that our life has to take in order for us to get to where God wants us to be. We got to be prepared for that, whether we are prepared or not. We've got to know that God is there. We've got to know that God is listening. We've got to know that God has a plan. And as we said, it'll come without warning sometimes. It'll come very suddenly at times. It'll come for an unknown amount of time. The, the journey can be smooth or sometimes the journey can be extremely rough. We don't know. And you can't mark your previous journey and base this journey on it. All you have to do is make it a faith walk based on what God brought you through. But you can't compare this. You cannot prepare the journey in a lot of ways. You can't prepare, you can't uh, compare those detours because some detours, again, we cause and some detours are just a part of life. But the one good thing we know, the Word of God says that all good things, all things work out for the good of them that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. There's a plan. So trust God. You know, I know to people who don't believe, people who don't know, people who haven't been introduced properly, People who just, you know, oh, here they go with the God thing. They don't know anything about trusting God. But like I said, when you take your other experiences and you look at how God brought you through, use that as a gauge to base your faith on. If God brought me through that, then he'll definitely bring me through this. Try Jesus. When everything else fails, Try Jesus. When you've, you know, gotten to the point where 
I've tried everything. Try Jesus. Now, we shouldn't have to go that route. For those of us who know the Lord, we shouldn't have to try everything. But for those of you who haven't quite gotten it yet, try Jesus. Instead of going through nine million stages and nine million steps and wanting to, you know, try everything, we're going to try this, that didn't work, we're going to try that. No, try Jesus. The journey will be different. That detour will be different. I didn't say it was going to be easy, but it will be different because as long as God got his hands on it, it cannot be compared to anything you do. Try Jesus. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my Due Time crew, my ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now. Later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God says, when it's Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.